Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion On Air podcast. This podcast is a program of the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges Diversity Matters Initiative. The podcast explores various issues related to diversity and inclusion in the veterinary profession and provides the AAVMC an opportunity to offer ongoing diversity programming to our member institutions as well as all veterinary professionals. My name is Dr. Lisa Greenhill and I'm the Senior Director for Institutional Research and Diversity here at the AAVMC. I will have to say this is my first podcast that I'm filming back in the office. Um, and so it feels a little strange. My lighting is different. My setup is all different. It, I don't even remember doing it here before, but here we are. We're back. Um, and on today's episode of the show, we are talking about the American Veterinary Medical Association. This is the first show um, in five years, the five years that we've been around, um, that I've devoted to the AVMA and the history of the podcast. And I am delighted to welcome my guest, AVMA CEO, Dr. Janet Donlin. As is our custom on the show, I'd like to give my guests an opportunity to introduce herself and share a bit of her background. So, Janet, welcome. Well, thank you, Lisa. And boy, in this post-COVID world, it is kind of nice to be back in the office at least a little bit. So I'm back in today, too. So I am Janet Donlin. I have the pleasure of being the CEO of the AVMA, and I've been in that position for the last five years. I'm a Minnesota grad uh, and have been involved with the AVMA for 20 plus years on and off, have also been in industry, uh, but it's just such a pleasure associations and trying to make a difference for the profession is just what I love. And uh, so it's just a pleasure being at the AVMA and it's a pleasure to be here today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I realized I did not close everything. <laughs> I closed my screen. <laughs> All right. So now uh, on today's episode, um, we are going to talk about diversity and the AVMA. Now, as we all know, we are coming up on the two-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That event, of course, sparked protests globally about racial discrimination and marginalization. A lot of folks called it a reckoning of sorts. Um, books on diversity and anti-racism shot to the best sell, top of bestsellers list and conversations that a lot of folks have been wanting to have for decades or longer than decades, um, finally started. And within veterinary medicine, we also saw a lot of growth um, among the affinity organizations focused on uh, individuals in the profession with marginalized or underrepresented identities. Um, now, we also saw during the summer of 2020, some of these groups really kind of come together under this umbrella kind of called Wake Up Vet Med, um, and they challenged organized veterinary medicine very broadly and to some degree AVMA very specifically to do better. So a lot has happened in two years, as we all know, um, and it's a lot happening in the profession. Um, and I really kind of wanted to just do a check-in with AVMA and, and Janet to see kind of what's been going on during this time. So two years since Wake Up Vet Med, Janet, what's been going on with AVMA during these two years? Well, thank you, Lisa. And first, uh, my goodness, what a two years it has been. COVID. And then the George Floyd situation, again, it's 
really made all of us take a real hard look at what we were doing and what we needed to be doing. And we really valued the affinity groups um, for what they were talking about and really calling out that this was time for transformative change. It really was. They created a video and it was hard for them to have to create this video to really talk about something so frankly and personally. But the video was so compelling. We played it for our House of Delegates. Mm -hmm. There is something about the power of storytelling that really helps really point out the importance of this. This also happens to be very personal to me. One of my daughters happens to be a veterinarian. She graduated four years ago. And so when I think about the future of the profession, for us to be relevant, it is very important that we evolve, that we really embrace DEI, and that we continue to be and become the best profession that we can be. So we understand we play a unique role. We embrace that unique role. One of the things I know we'll we'll talk a bit more, but was important to do is to work across the profession. And that one of the things was establishing the AAVMC, AVMA Joint Commission. We'll we'll talk about that more, um, but it just is, this is a small profession and a small profession working together, we think can help lead in this area. And so we think that's critically important. Then in terms of specifics, I'll just give some examples and we can talk more as we go. Really, we think of there being three key pillars. One of them, very importantly, is the pipeline. And that's working very closely with AAVMC. What can we really do in terms of the pipeline? And it's even looking with our foundation scholarships are so very important. So we've been doing more work in that area. But again, we'll talk about more specifics in just a bit. Then importantly, the AVMA itself. Uh, how can we lead? How can we be the best that we can be? It's very important from the staff perspective. And so making certain that we are really trying to make certain we have the, that we all understand the importance of DEI and really build our capabilities. And then as an association, so much of our strength is our volunteers. So again, with our volunteers, how do we make certain that that is the best it can be and that we have a welcoming environment? We have a, a new DEI appointment policy for volunteers. And now every volunteer has to to complete a question that says, what will I add if you appoint me to the diversity of the AVMA? How will I contribute? That's brand new. We think that's fabulous. And we're trying to be much more broad about making sure folks are aware of our volunteer opportunities. We should just post it. And if people saw it, they saw it. You can't do that anymore. We've got to be much more thoughtful. Same is true for our staff. Again, being much more thoughtful, much more strategic to make certain that we're really building capabilities and then really trying in all we do with the AVMA to have metrics and then to make sure that we're accountable with that. So that's critically important. Then in terms of the profession itself, because it is so important that change happens then out in the practice environment, the association itself, So the commission's important for that. 
The AVMA's Council on Education has now embedded diversity in several standards. The vet tech, yes, yes. <laughs> and the vet tech is going to be doing the same. That's critical. Um, so much of our work, again, is that future of the profession and really helping to make sure that we do it right. We have a lot of educational programming, whether it's at Veterinary Leadership Conference, whether it's at our convention, um, our online programming. And what I'm really proud of on our online programming programming in the top 10, and it's been this for the last year, it has been our diversity programming or our well-being programming. Mm -hmm. Typically in vet med, it's not. It's ophthalmology, <laughs> it's dentistry. And so I'm really proud of that. And then our Brave Space Certification Program, our Workplace Wellbeing has DEI. And then right now we're working on taking the, um, AV, the VMAE, the Veterinary Medical Association Executives, did a really great program called Journey for Associations to help associations be the best that they could be. We're now working with them to develop that, to take that to the practices. Now, we as the AVMA are not the experts in diversity, so it's critical that the right experts are involved. But we do understand the practice environment and how change can happen in the practice environment. And so we think that this is going to be critically important. And so we're just excited. So that's just a, a bit of a tidge where sure. um, it can seem like we're not doing much. But I'll, I'll give you one more example. We now as staff have Juneteenth, Juneteenth as an official holiday. It's important that we take that time to just think about that day and what the importance of it is. And so we're just trying to embed it in all that we do. Great, great. Um, the chat is already lighting up. We are live streaming <laughs> um, and folks want to know that the number one question so far is, uh, uh, are those uh, AVMA accreditation standards, the COE accreditation standards, have they already been approved um, uh, and, and they are in place? And my understanding is that they are, aren't they? They have been approved and they're getting embedded in multiple standards okay. as we speak. And so okay. it's at that stage. It really is not one and done. It really yeah. is embedded through multiple standards. Yeah. And, and you know that's key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of conversation um, several years ago when I was working on this issue about the 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 um, benefits or the, you know, the pros and cons of uh, a standalone standard versus embedding. And, and I think that um, there's a lot of strength in, in kind of spreading it out and saying, oh, no, standard mm -hmm. one, standard you two. You can't just check four, that box. Yeah, right. yeah, making sure that it's woven uh, throughout. So, so thanks for that. Um, so you mentioned the commission. So why don't we start there? Um, and so um, during this time, uh, these two years, I guess it, I think it was last year that really things kind of got going and got launched. Um, what is the goal of the commission and uh, what has it accomplished and, you know, where is it going? Mm -hmm. So if you think about the profession and across the profession, you know, there are, of course, are the colleges, which are so critically important. Then there is equine, there is bovine, there, there are the species groups, there are the specialty groups, there are the office managers, there's the veterinary technicians, all of the staff. And those folks are so critical in anything that we do with DEI. And so that's really what the commission is, is trying to bring everybody together in the room it really has a clear and ambitious mission to drive significant and sustained change in the profession. Uh, and you do that by having a clear agenda, 
working it together through all of the groups. They have established some short-term, some mid-term and long-term um, goals. And so that is critical and that work will continue. Much of the actual work then, now that we kind of have these overarching goals, will then be done by the AVMA, AAVMC, the veterinary hospital managers, again, working together. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that they had suggested, which we thought was really a very important thing, is that AVMA itself have a diversity, equity, and inclusion chief. Um, we Not that one person is expected to do yeah. all. But we know, I have to talk about Lisa Greenhill, you guys, I hope you all know she just got a fabulous award because of who she is, but we know what you have meant to the colleges, and it is critical that the AVMA have someone that is equivalent to that to really help drive our cha the change. And that is one of the things that they have suggested to us. And I'm in the middle of, we are in the middle of the interviews right now. And so that's an important sort of thing. So the commission is, it's really important again, to keep us focused and working together, leveraging the strengths so that we're not scattered mm -hmm. so that we achieve uh, things that we want to achieve. Got it. Got it. Um, have those uh, the recommendations, those short, mid and long term recommendations, are they posted anywhere? Are they are they public or no? Uh, they are public now. Okay. I, they're probably they're probably on our website, and if they're okay. not, they should be. So I'll All make right. sure that so they we'll are. How's that sound? We'll make sure that uh, our person in the background pops that link over into the exactly. chat. Exactly. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you. So, what is you know what? Now we know that certainly um, AAVMC, AVMA, as you mentioned, the teaching, um, not the teaching hospitals, but the, 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 the practitioners out in the field will be kind of, you know, um, through all of these different organizations working on this. Um, um, are there currently plans for the future? Is, is the commission, is it kind of a sunset thing or is it something that might endure? They just had their last meeting uh, conference called COVID has made it a challenge to get yeah. together. And, and that's never a good thing. Um, and the thinking was, again, there's such strength that these folks represent these organizations that we don't want to lose that. And so it will be important as to not sunset. Things aren't up, up some plan up on a shelf and, and at sunset that we continue to work together. So the plan is there will be an in-person meeting uh, and we'll flush things out even more. And so at this point in time, not a sunset insight. Sure, sure. So um, and thinking about the pillars that you you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. um, certainly, you know, the Wake Up Vet Med and MCBMA, the Multicultural Veterinary Medical Association for um, viewers and listeners, um, made some pretty specific recommendations um, about kind of how to strengthen that pipeline. So mm -hmm. um, so what has been the response around that? Um, so there's the pipeline of veterinarians. I'm sorry, the pipeline and of veterinarians that are already Exactly. And, then there's, and then there's the leadership pipeline. Do you yeah, want to talk yeah. about the, the leadership, leadership piece? Yeah, the leadership exactly. piece. Yeah. I thought so. So leadership is very important. Um, and so that is the diversity and inclusion policy that we have now, where again, everyone has to write, every applicant, how will you contribute to the diversity? This is one example. Then we also have all of the entities taking a hard look at their classifications. You know, they have perhaps it's an eight-member committee, 
and we want them taking a look at it. Our councils and committees tend to be very um, scientifically based. And so you need to have a toxicologist on there for many of these, but not all of the positions. Now, that doesn't mean uh, we really want to make certain that everybody is aware of that toxicology position so that we could hopefully have someone that is diverse. But we also want to make sure that there's not a barrier. Is there a reason for that specific classification or can we be as open as possible? So that's an example. Uh, we also are putting in more technology, again, because of COVID. We have realized that we can work in the hybrid arena, and it can be a challenge for folks to come in for our meetings twice a year. Uh, so we're spending a significant amount of money to, to really rebuild our second floor so that it'll be a, a, the hybrid experience will be a great experience. If you are virtual, it will be as though you're there. And so that is helpful too. And we're doing that because of it also. Then um, we're again just trying to make certain that people are aware of the opportunities, but I want to make a pitch for folks, state and ally groups, the specialty organizations, the technician organizations, they need volunteers. And so we're also trying to make certain that people are aware of those volunteer activities too. Mm -hmm. uh, we need, we live, associations live and thrive on volunteers. And uh, I love the affinity groups. We just, I have enjoyed the conversations with them. I've enjoyed the passion and I'm just excited about the future of the profession when I talk with them and I want them engaged in this. And so any way we can get folks involved is a good thing. Great, great, thank you. So uh, you also talked a bit about, um, and certainly I can drop the link um, in uh, the chat and certainly we'll include it in the show notes. But what about those uh, professional development opportunities um, around DEI for veterinarians as well as others that are working in the profession? Mm -hmm. Critically important. Um, and as I mentioned, we have the Brave Space Certification Program already, the Workplace Wellbeing, which has DEI modules incorporated into it. At convention this year, you guys, we are going to have uh, Mike Wilson. We just have a fabulous convention manager and team. Um, and uh, the first day of the convention is going to be nothing but DEI so that there is no scientific competition because sometimes it's hard to get people into a room because they're worried about getting their CE hours for their license. Um, and so there's just a fabulous program that's set up with there. We also then are going to be doing some neat things with the WB Sol school that is there because we want to make certain that each place that we go, that we have a chance to work in that arena. Uh, there will also be a DEI panel um, and the Critters Fixers are going to be having some neat programming. Uh, so we're just uh, at convention. There's just a, a ton of activities. Veterinary Leadership Conference, really embedded in Veterinary Leadership Conference. And then the journey for teams, which will be what we're taking to the workplaces, will be very much, um, it's, I don't want to give it away because they're going to kill me. The team's working on it right now and they're going to launch it at convention. <laughs> um, but we're trying to take, keep in mind veterinarians and their teams are busy. Sure. Um, short teachable moments are probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. And making certain that um, 
they have an actionable to take away from that teachable moment is probably a good thing Mm -hmm. Um, and very focused on changing behavior. And that's how they're setting that program up. That is going to be done in conjunction with VMAE because the state and ally groups are so critically important. Then also with NAFTA, again, the Hospital Managers Association, and also our animal industry partners. Um, All of them have sales forces that go into clinics and have having them aligned on the DEI CE opportunities and this program we think will be important. So lots of good work in that area. I don't want to also leave those staff. Staff CE is very important. Uh, And we have a lot of staff training opportunities that are available. Then being part of the association world, uh, ASAE is our association. They have some great programming that we encourage our staff to take. We also encourage our staff to consider taking the Purdue Certification Program. I took it myself, and it's phenomenal. Uh, We're really trying to make certain that we walk the walk. We are not experts. We are all in growth mode. And, you know, in this uh, PTSD world post-COVID and George Floyd, I think we all want to grow from this. And that will be the best thing coming out of it. Got it. Um, and I, like I said, I dropped it, the the link into the chat and it will also be in the show notes. Um, certainly there are some resources available there as well. So um, be sure to check those out. Now, you mentioned also that that AVMA is in, um, you're in the interview phase of the DEI position. Um, I know I'm excited because I hope that that person will end up being one of my professional besties. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. But um, can you tell us a little bit about what you and uh, the elected leadership of, of the organization, how, you know, how do you how do you envision this position and um, how do you see it um, really kind of engaging um, certainly uh, ABMA, but but kind of the impact on the profession? What do you expect that person to actually do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> kind of walk on water is, uh, <laughs> you know, in the association world, as you have to do, you have to do everything. Uh, we have had, um, first of all, I'm really pleased we've had some good candidates uh, and we are in the midst of interviews. And I've been very impressed hearing these candidates and their understanding of what they think they could do. Mm-hmm. What's important for us, I'm going to use Jen Brandt as the example on our staff here. She's our workplace, she's our well-being expert. Before we had her, we just really didn't quite understand the area and um, weren't as disciplined as we needed to be. She and her connections brought a level of professionalism in that area that is so critical. That is the same that we need in DEI, is someone who understands this, someone who understands the how you take a sensitive subject in a very personal subject, mm-hmm. and how you can get folks who may be a little bit resistant and hear words and their hackles raise up to all of a sudden understand, know why this is important, and to be able to help them be open to the change that they need so that we can really make a difference. We also would love someone that can help us with grant opportunities for scholarships and um, those, but a lot of it is again, the ability to make connections with others so that we can make certain that any tactic gets leveraged throughout. Mm 
And I've just been real impressed with what people, the interviews that we've had and what they have been able to do and achieve. And so knock on wood, I'm hoping for good news there. Good, good. Um, what uh, What is the timeline that you're kind of hopeful <laughs> about uh, with that position? This was the second round of interviews this week. Um, the next round, we're going to get down the numbers, um, and we'd like to give them a bit of an example and get a chance for them to come back. And you know, since we are still virtual, uh, we want to get a feel for how they think, how they approach things, because that's just critically important. And then we should, can move very quickly right after that. Okay. All right. So hopefully, uh, you will have a, a great announcement. Very soon. Yeah, really soon. And and (laughs) certainly sometime before uh, convention. So that's really exciting. I told the the one candidate that we had right before this that I could have used her on this podcast. So so let's just say this is very high on my list sooner than later. Great, great. So what do you see as... you know, the biggest opportunity or the greatest opportunity to um, have a positive impact on the profession through this lens? You know, I'm, I'm going to give a story first on um, something that was important to me that the AVMA did. And, and to me, it shows the importance of associations. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of years ago, I happened to be serving on a group health life insurance trust. So we had med- medical insurance, life insurance. And we did not have coverage for domestic partners because at that point in time, that was not something that was done. Uh, The predecessor to Pride uh, wrote a letter. And I I want to tell people that your association really listens. So that's part of the reason why I said wrote a letter, call us, email us, wrote a letter and asked us to consider to, to please expand it, that it was important. Uh, and this in the health insurance and life insurance world, it's a tough world because it's high costs. You're trying to manage costs. You're trying to get people to buy your insurance. And so as a professional insurance, we try to cover things why it seems like some other insurance tries not to cover things. And so trying to balance that cost can be a challenge to begin with. But the trustees uniformly, as they discuss this said, would expanding this coverage help our veterinary colleagues and help those that were important to them? And I should add that our insurance company, why it was a very caring company, was recommending that we not do it. The trustees uniformly approved that we did. That's what associations can do by uniting people, common goals, working together, We are here to make certain that the veterinary profession thrives, that everyone that is a part of the veterinary profession feels valued, trusted, and respected, and that all of our clients feel trusted, valued, and respected. And we think that the AVMA will play a very key role in that. So long story, but uh, to me, that's what AVMA can do. Great. So looking at the other side of the coin, then, you know, uh, it's a large organization that you've been leading. And, you know, certainly uh, there is a lot of diversity already there. Certainly we talk, we think about oftentimes diversity only focusing on things like race or gender and all of these types of things. But we know that there are, um, you know, we all are, are just kind of in there under the tent. And so what have been some of the 
you know, more challenging um, uh, ways that you've been kind of having to think about some of these things? What have been the big challenge to realizing some of the DEI goals that ADNA has? You know, I think uh, it's unfortunate, but in this time, both in the U.S. and globally, it's a very polarized time uh, and a very divisive time. And COVID has only made it more challenging. And so when you're working in this key area, uh, that is a challenge that we need to work through. Uh, But good people will do it. And it is helping to understand, you know, there are people who are thinking we're not doing near enough. There are people who are thinking we're doing way too much. How do you balance that? Having good plans, working together and helping to create the why, helping people understand the why will help bring us along. Um, but it's not easy. It, it, it will be a, a challenge. Uh, and as I also, you know, I'm very focused on the pipeline. It's hard for folks to become what they don't see. And so as we work in that area, how can we be creative? How can we make certain um, that parents understand the value that veterinarians bring to the table for their pets because we have not necessarily reached out to them in the past and things like that are even key before they'd even be talking about their son or daughter thinking about veterinary medicine so lots of challenges lots of good opportunities for good people to work together great thank you so uh so we've got a couple of other uh uh questions from the chat uh, oh, they're coming in now. Um, so uh, the first question is, uh, how can uh, ABMA pressure, I'm going to say influence, uh, <laughs> state boards to include DEI as a CE requirement? I have to take legal, ethical, professional CE now for licensure. I think DEI should count for part of that. Now, I do know that there are a few states now that do um, include a DEI requirement, but yeah, what can AVMA do to nudge things along? <laughs> uh, we work very closely with AAVSB, their organization, and we have been very much encouraging them for both DEI and well-being because we think both are critically important. We will be meeting with them again with their board at their meeting, and, uh, and we will bring it up again. And they're a good group. Um, And so uh, we are not pressuring them, but yes, we are very, very actively influenced. And this is very, very top of mind, particularly because we do so much in this area. I mentioned it's in the top 10, you know, this past year. We want folks to be able to get credit for that because we think that's critically important. And so we'll continue to do that. Great, great. Uh, So, you know, uh, another comment here is um, really kind of, can there be a stronger emphasis on the pro-business role um, DEI work plays? And, and, you know, I'm I'm thinking of the the example that you gave with uh, insurance and that, you know, while the company may not have wanted to, and it's great that the trustees voted to, that's really great. You know, there's an opportunity even for that company to kind of really position itself as more competitive. Look, we're offering this, uh, you know, we're offering, we're offering partner benefits. Like this is a good thing, right? This is a a positive thing. How can we really kind of leverage um, those messages uh, that, you know, DEI work is, is also really pro-business work? 
Uh, no, that's such a good point. Really, we're fortunate our animal health industry, I think, really gets the importance of DEI. And they will work very on any good initiatives. They're going to be there. Uh, and so there is that aspect of animal health industry that we can make certain and do. And we should, should also think broader than that. But also in terms of the why, we are working in, on Journey and our economic summit to make sure and bring examples of veterinary clinics who have incorporated DEI to show why it was good for their business, why it really helped their workplace culture, it helped their retention, it helped them better serve their clients, and it made them money. We think that key, that key component is going to be very important to get buy-in to. So we're looking at that piece too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a, some additional comments here that you know. Certainly, a lot of times we focus on that moral imperative that this is the right thing to do. Um, and you know, uh, having been doing this work for a few decades now, I'm always like, yeah, there's the moral piece, but somehow that doesn't always resonate with everyone. So you got to meet people where they are. And the research is is clear that this is a really um, you know, pro, it actually is very pro business to really kind of think of um, who am I serving? Um, who am I delivering service to? Who am I catering to? Um, and, uh, you know, how can I meet them where they are? So we're really happy to, to hear that. And I think it's really important for folks to have more exposure even to that research that, um, you know, this is really important content. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, uh, (laughs) they are in here now. Uh, Will the AVMA address the stratification of diversity and vet med and how that impacts retention um, and closes off new personnel recruitment and retention? So I'm going to interpret this a bit um, because I think that it is... uh, um, we may see more diversity, certainly at certain levels, even though um, we also know that there is a lack of, of, of diversity in um, the veterinary technician space. Um, it tends to be a little bit more diverse, though. Um, um, but, you know, these this absence, the relative absence really kind of makes it difficult, both on the retention side for folks that look around and find themselves to be the only one. Um, and, and you know, they're also going to be your primary recruiter to bring more people in. And so, um, so you know, what <laughs> in the, in the um, programming? And I think maybe uh, this, this journey, uh, this second journey um, program that you've mentioned, um, you know, could that be a place where this is addressed? And I want to, and I may not have totally understood the stratification, so I want to make sure that I'll kind of address it and we'll see. One of them is the the pipeline piece of, which you know so well, how do we make certain that we get folks, first of all, interested in STEM? How do we keep them in STEM? How do we not lose that? How do we make certain that veterinary clinics do outreach to have folks that may be interested to make sure that there's volunteer opportunities and encourage them? There is all of that component. Um, But then it is very important, I think, for our veterinarians to understand they are part of the community and that they should reflect their communities and they'll be more successful if they reflect their communities and to to make sure in their hiring hiring practices and that that they 
are as broad and diverse as they should be to bring folks into the workplaces because that's critical. Mm -hmm. Um, Reflecting your community will only make you more successful. And so it is very important for that. Um, But we want to make certain in the rural environment, I've talked a lot almost on companion animal, the rural environment. How do we make certain that folks are welcomed there, uh, valued there, uh, that is going to be critically important too. Or we could have stratification where they're not at all in the rural environment because they have not been welcomed into the rural environment. Um, The folks who I think have done a wonderful job uh, is federal level. If we think Mm -hmm. about regulatory folks, Mm -hmm. they have historically done a great job at recruiting diverse candidates, retaining them. We need to replicate that in other areas too. Great, great. Um, so, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the the long range pipeline um, a bit during this during our chat today. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of what ABMA is envisioning related to that space. So, kind of, you know, the future, frankly, of the profession <laughs> that is being born every minute. Uh, our DEI person is going to be key for this because that person is going to be very lockstep with AAVMC because you guys are just so critical for that. Um, but that part of the work, like with the critters, fixers, vet mm-hmm. for today, WB Saul, mm-hmm. the commission, as they're talking about how do we have the speakers that could go into these areas and really help so that if they don't have a local veterinarian, there is a speaker in the right environment. How do we go to historically black colleges in a way that's really impactful? All of that will be very important to do. Um, we don't have the plans now. Again, this the DEI person will be critical for that. Um, but we, as we go along that pipeline, we're losing folks and we can't lose them along that that leaky pipeline if we're going to be successful. And so being very strategic will be key. Yeah. And I'm going to take uh, host privileges for just a moment to ripple on. Uh, I know that a lot of folks are concerned about, um, you know, the decline of young men coming into veterinary medicine and, and uh, you know, um, Every now and again, we get these questions <laughs> and it's like men are being discriminated against. And I'm like, actually, their numbers, they're just not applying. And there's mm-hmm. lots of reasons for that. Um, you know, the, their their dropout rates, frankly, at high school are higher than women's. And, um, and, and there's just a lot of larger societal issues that are putting a lot of stress on, on young men. And so in some of my research, it's been shocking, Janet, that um, only about 40% of, um, of, of the male population in the U.S., adult population, had any education, and I mean any education mm-hmm. beyond high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be community college, it could be vocational education, it could be, you know, any of those kinds of things. It could be a four-year degree um, and beyond, but they, you know, if that's the case, it's, we're getting into a place where very much like um, in some ways in, in terms of, of folks of color not seeing folks. And so, you know, as as the profession ages, um, they're, th- those men are retiring. Mm-hmm. They're retiring. They're on out there. 
and right. there's not being backfilled. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so something for us to, to really consider, we do um, think a lot about, we do spend a lot of time at AABMC thinking about, um, you know, the future of men in higher education in general, um, because we have to, in terms of thinking about it for the profession. So, so thank you for allowing me. So key, you know, it's uh, to me, first of all, we are so fortunate to have the wonderfully talented women that we have and, and the young women that we have. And so I do not want to take anything. Yes. I am all about growing the demand for the profession. So mm-hmm. we want to have even more wonderful people in here and, and, and thriving. And men are a key component yeah. of that. Yeah. They are. They are. And so, yes, women are really kind of propping things up right now. And so I think it's uh, uh, important for us to acknowledge that. So we do have another question. Um, What is AVMA doing to uplift um, Asian American and Pacific Islander voices uh, this month? It is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, Big deal. So, yeah, what's uh, what's on deck here? So we do, we try to make sure that on the key months, and this is a key month, and it is a very key voice, that on social media, that we're very active to make sure and help promote it. And so you'll see things around that. We Our HR also does a good job to send out to our staff because we want to make sure that we recognize that our, uh, our staff that are here. Uh, and then with our volunteers, we try to make certain that they're aware of this month and, all, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's important. Um, I think of um, the... All of the key talented voices of folks that we have in veterinary medicine and how we are fortunate to have this quilt of veterinary medicine, but we do need to do the shouts out on these special events. And so this is a special month. Yes. Yes, it is. So uh, unless there are questions, certainly the chat is still open, but I do have, um, uh, I guess, a big question um, for you. Uh, what is, does AVMA hope to accomplish during this next year? I know you've mentioned um, certainly launching um, the Next Journey Project. Are there other things that are really kind of, on, what's on Janet's vision board? <laughs> <laughs> Probably too much, <laughs> but that's okay. Again, getting this person hired is going to be very, very key. And so that is a key strategic thing that we're doing right at the moment. Launching journey for teams, because that will be important for the practices. Organizationally wise, what we're going to be doing as soon as the new person is on board, we're going to be doing an organizational audit. We think it's important that we do a baseline of where we're at and where our gaps are, where we need to strengthen the organization itself. And so that will be key. We also right now, and I'm going to put a pitch into people who are on this um, the Zoom meeting right at the moment, fill out your member profile. We have changed We have expanded the classifications. We want to make sure that everyone sees themselves. Uh, And so we really have expanded that. We also want to know where you're working uh, because that will help us better serve if we really know the demographics of our profession, where they're working, again, where could they potentially work in, where are the gaps? And so trying to leverage the data that we're collecting and change that into insights that will drive further offerings is is also a key thing. So lots of good work going on and it'll keep me busy. (laughs) Sure, sure. I I can imagine. And so what 
you know, that's that's for the next year. What is really kind of we know that that the um, you know horizons are always shorter than we think they are, right? So where you know, if you could envision AVMA in five years on this issue. Um, and this is going to be useful for those folks who might be watching because they are interviewing. <laughs> where, um, you know, where would you like to see AVMA on these issues? You know, I am very proud of our profession. Um, if we think of our time during COVID, how the profession responded and how it served the public during that time. I really believe when it comes to DEI, again, by us being focused and working together, that we can be a profession that truly is a leader of others. Um, and that's where I want us to be in five years. In these changing times, we want to, re- to be as relevant uh, and as impactful as possible moving forward. And I just have great faith that working together, we will do that. Great. great. All right. Well, the chat has slowed down, and so I think that this might be a, a great place to uh, end our discussion. If, do you have any parting words to everyone that's listening and watching? We've got uh, quite a few folks. There's even a, a few groups, I guess, that are kind of um, team watching, and, and and we hear noshing and learning. Yes. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> There's some groups on here watching. Um, so, you know, any parting words? This, again, Lisa, thank you. It's such a pleasure. Sometimes we get too busy and we don't communicate effectively. And that in this key area is not a good thing. The AVMA is the profession, which is all of the the folks, all the veterinarians. And I really consider all the team members, everybody who is involved. We are here working together will make a difference. And and just I want to make certain that folks know, reach out, volunteer, be a part of the AVMA. We need y'all. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on the show. I really have appreciated our conversation um, and uh, certainly wish AVMA well um, on its endeavors in this space. Um, this has been another episode of AAVMC's Diversity and Inclusion on Air. Again, thank you, Janet, for joining me. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and like us on Facebook. We're under AAVMC, Diversity and Inclusion on Air. Um, we are available also on most podcast apps. And of course, you can always find us on YouTube. So thank you so much for listening and watching. And we'll be back soon.